Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And, and you. Today's podcast. What? what? <laughs> uh, please, please, I insist. You go on. No, no, no. After you. No, no, seriously. You need to do okay. it. All right, all right, here it goes. Today's podcast is brought to you again by the team over at Portable Church. I have mentioned this before, but if I were going to church plant all over again today, I would actually call these guys up. And I would look at all the cool kit that they got to make life for your volunteers much, much easier. Here's the reality. It's going to cost you a little bit more up front. It ain't cheap, but it's well worth it. And here's why. If you invest in Portable Church, you're actually investing into the atmosphere of your church plant. You're telling your volunteers that you value them and you want their life to be a whole heck of a lot easier. PortableChurch.com. Go check them out today. That's what I'm talking about right there. Get me some, get me some potable church. In fact, you are about ready to start church planting again, aren't you? I am. And I'm definitely going to be working with these guys because, um, I've got a weird little model that I'm doing where we're going to start up a bunch of different public space areas and, uh, kind of converge. But when we converge together, and I'll, I'll talk about that model in future, but when we converge together, I will not go back to the mom and pop way of doing it. I will raise that money. I will beg, borrow, and steal, but I will make sure that we got the kit because it makes a huge difference. Your setup literally goes from like an hour to an hour and a half to like 30 minutes and everything's, t this is the OCD in me. Everything's in its like tight little box and you know where everything goes. It's like Transformers. You ever seen Transformers where are like all like square and tiny and compact and they goes burp, 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 and then it comes out. I'm all for that transformer feeling in my church plan. 
So can I give them a new tagline? Yeah. Portable church. More than meets the eye. <laughs> That's so good. Maybe we should let you do the commercial because we we well, I told the guy last week after you had to go. I'll never let Pete touch a commercial again. But I now stand corrected. I'm just I'm thinking out for them, right? It's the marketer in More me. Than beats the eye. <laughs> and you know I'm going to bring that up from now on. Oh my gosh! More than meets the eye, hey, and only our listeners will know that inside joke. We made Mo give a household name in church planners. We will do the same for Portable Church. That's Absolutely, all man. Yeah, hey. and they're cool guys too. We actually had breakfast with them a couple years ago. Yeah. Remember? Yeah, I do. I do. In Huntington Beach, that was kind of cool. They took us out to breakfast. I like those guys. So, uh, got kind of an interesting story for you. I, uh, okay. Uh, by the way, though, I just want to say I was dropping a hint that we want more breakfast. <laughs> but anyways, go on with your story. Um, so when I was in high school, I had two knee operations. I have a condition called osteochondritis. It's where part of the, the bone in the knee the dies. Bone. I know the osteo. Right. Good. It's where Inflammation part, of something. It's where part of the bone dies, breaks off. And then it's no. just floating around there in your, your kneecap. And, no. Oh, yeah. So it's tearing everything That's up. It's terrible, and, dude. Well, the first surgery, they because I was so young, I mean, I was probably a junior in high school, they uh, drilled into the bone and tried to plant these pieces of bone back in, hoping that maybe blood would go to them and they'd start growing again. So that way I'd have a, a stronger knee. Didn't work. So second surgery, they went in there, took it out. I was told I'm missing like, 30 to 50% of the weight-bearing surface. Don't know if it's what? real or not. I don't know. These guys just make up terms. They're doctors. They can say whatever they want. No one has a clue. But uh, they did tell me that I'd have to have a total knee replacement by the time I was 40. And I don't think they realized just how lazy one man could be because <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm 42. I don't need a knee replacement. I'm just as good as I ever was, right? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Until last Friday. Uh-oh. Uh, last Friday, for no reason, literally at all, my knee is shot, and I am back to barely able to walk, and that's only with a cane. I kid you not. I can, wow. I can barely, like, stand. I, I can't walk. I was like, I cannot walk Luke to school this morning. There's no way I can do that. Are you serious, dude? Yeah. Yeah. So. That's not cool. I know, right? <clears throat> So PD, PD's so, got no a joke now. I, I got to you know, Jerry, Jerry McCarty, right? Yeah. So when I first met Jerry, I was speaking at a Pentecostal conference. Um, he had reached out to me and he'd emailed me about a year before. And so he reaches back out and I said, Hey, I'm going to actually be on the East coast and be in Virginia speaking at a, a big Pentecostal, um, denominational conference. And, um, he, he goes, uh, well, I'll drive down there and, and I'll come see you. So he, he, he comes down. He's on, he's on a cane. Like he can barely walk. Like he's in so much pain. And, uh, dude, on the way to the airport, no joke now, uh, the guy who took me to the airport, Jerry said, Hey, can I hop in? We can keep talking. Sure. No problem. So I go to the bathroom. I come back. This guy's laying hands on Jerry, praying for him, heals him. No. Like, right there, dude. Okay. Where is he? <laughs> 
He's in Virginia. I can put you in touch with him. I would rather fly there than go under the knife. <laughs> well, all I'm saying is you need to talk to my homeboy in Virginia, Mr. Brian. Do you talk to him? I'm I'm there. I'm there. All right. All right, brother. It's uh, it's pretty bad, actually. Dude, that sucks. I did not know. I mean, I knew you were bad to the bone, but I did not know you were bad to the bone. Bad to the missing you know? bone, huh? That's how bad nope, I am. Dude. Wow. Yeah. Dude, that sucks, man. I'm actually really sad to hear that. Yeah, I'm really sad to experience that. I'm really sad because... See, here's, here's the part where now I'm going to be, like, concerned because of Obamacare... <laughs> Our rates went through the roof and we never go to the doctor. So I'm on one of those medical share plans, like Christian heritage medical share. I don't know what it's called. Right. And I'm Uh like, Oh man, dude, like, how is this going to work? I, I don't know how it works. I mean, cause it's not Mm. technically insurance. It doesn't. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, wait, wait. We take that back. If you want to be a sponsor, come on. Bo- no, I'm going to find out if it works because, I mean, this can't count as a pre-existing condition. I have literally not been to the doctor in 20 years for this. Yeah. So, you know, come on. That's not pre-existing. Pete, I got a question for you, man. This I keep getting all these things in. This is off topic. Sorry. I keep getting all these things in the mail that are like, hey, and I meant to ask you about this last week. Um, you know how like you're getting all this stuff from all these companies like Zoom and hey, we've updated our privacy policy. I know there's like a law in Europe. Yeah. Does that affect like churches, ministries? Like everything, like, as far as I know. Okay. I'm just wondering because I'm thinking, man, everybody running a 501c3, which counts church liners. <sighs> I'm wondering if we got to pay attention to that. Like, I would not uh, be surprised. In person on my list, yeah. and uh, maybe now I got to do all these. And things. here's the thing, too, man. You got to look at the fact that uh, people like to target certain types of businesses, and you can bet there's enough disgruntled former church members got molested by some priest somewhere where they want to go after every church they can find. Mm. And you got to be on top of all that stuff. <laughs> All the time. Totally. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like, I, I did I tell you about the, uh, <laughs> so, so I have this, uh, this software program that I built out called SMS conversations. If you've gone through one yeah. of our webinars, you've probably gotten a text message from me. And, um, so what happens is it, it texts people out and then when they reply back, I'm notified of their reply and I can enter a conversation with them. That's why it's called SMS conversations. It's, that's what it's designed to do. And, um, did I tell you about this? What happened with the guy? No. Okay. So, so we, I've got an inner circle for real estate agents that I do and we give this program to all of them for them to use. And this guy goes out and buys a spam list of all the people in his neighborhood and starts spam texting them. Hey, do you want a home valuation? I mean, imagine what would happen if your cell phone became your email inbox. How annoying would that be? So this is not the stuff that we teach at all. Well, he, he actually didn't send out that many texts, but he ends up getting, um, one of the people who we did text is an attorney. Who's like, I'm suing you. I'm doing a class action lawsuit. I'm coming after you. I'm coming after Keller Williams. 
you know, because Keller Williams. After everyone you love. Yeah. Well, and so this guy is like freaking out. You know, the fine is fifteen thousand dollars a text, and I'm like, no, because then this gets back to my partner Debbie, and Debbie's like freaking out. And I go, first of all, we're not the phone carrier. That's this other company. Right. We just created this little piece to help people, you know, connect the two. And besides that, it's not like this guy knows about us, right? So she, what she's afraid is this real estate agent's going to get sued and he's going to turn around and sue us. And I'm like, well, first of all, I'm not worried about it. Because I'm like, first of all, the $15,000 per text, that's if the FTC comes after you. The FTC ain't coming after this guy, some Joe Schmo realtor in the middle of Florida who like texted 700 neighbors. I go, they're not going after that guy for that. So first of all, that's not going to happen. And secondly, if it did, it's not like he did any of the stuff we told him to do. Like he literally did the exact opposite of everything we tell him to do. Right. So I just had to deal with that a lot, trying to walk my client down off the cliff. Well, Pete, this is why you ought to get Simplify Church at SimplifyChurch.com. I Are figured we, we might as well do this now, just, right? It's a good segue. Come segue on. right on in. But my point in all of that is you do need to be aware of the laws in your area because if you're a church doing stuff like that, mm-hmm. there are enough people who will complain. Like the only way this guy could get a class action lawsuit, he literally has to go around to all the neighbors, find ones that actually got the text get them to show that they had damages because he texted them. It's, it's like it would never happen. It literally would never happen. Hmm. But, you know, you here's the thing about attorneys, and I feel for all of you attorneys who listen, they make money off of other people's misery. Like that's oh, yeah. their sole job. So what oh, do you yeah. do when you got no clients, but you got an attorney's license? You find someone to sue. That's what you do. That's how you make money. It's funny because there is a – very famous Christian speaker who um, made money that way. <laughs> Somebody who knew him in his lawyer days. Oh no, like, really? Oh yeah, no. I'm just gonna stop right there. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna back away from that. I. Yeah. Wow. Who it, was it? It was Rick I'm Warren. Not, wasn't it? Talk, talk it was Rick Warren. He was an attorney. <laughs> Rick Warren didn't pass the bar. Now he's been to the moon. I mean, he's done everything else, but he hasn't uh, passed the bar. He's hey, I've never passed a bar in my life. Taxi cab. I've never passed a bar in my life. Wait, sorry, wrong, wrong <laughs> podcast, wrong podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! And the funny thing is, you're not a heavy drinker. That's the funny thing. But no one would know that. They would just judge you. Alas, yeah. it's hard being Pete Mitchell's friend. I'm I did have to lie. answer that question yesterday. I can't tell you what the test was, not for another three, four weeks until I get the <laughs> results back. But I did have to answer, how much alcohol do you consume? Well, you know, it's funny, man, because I actually, I was texting a friend this week and I, I had to text him, are you drinking? <laughs> What's wrong with you right now? So Was anyway. he? What was his answer? He said no, but I think he denied it. Nice. Nice. No, for my answer, just in case anyone was wondering. It just negates everything that you just texted, right? My my answer, in case anyone was wondering, was, uh, well, um, when it's not barbecue season, I'm about a one to two beer a month kind of guy. 
Uh, but when it is barbecue season, I do like to have a, a beverage while I'm barbecuing. So that could be one to two beers a week. I, I do increase yeah. a bit. Just like dad did. Oh, wait. <laughs> dad was a Baptist pastor. <laughs> one of those Baptist pastors. <laughs> so, um, hey, let's uh, let's get this gravy train a moving. Cool. Uh, oh, you know what? I should actually open up the soundboard. Uh, oh, sorry. I have the best sound clips for you, and I so want to play them. What are they about? If I share with you a Dropbox right now. No, I'm not going to add it. Not In real time. By real time. This is how we do. I, it's it's still not getting added. I have Karate Man. I'm do you? just saying. Just a, I have Karate Man. I got Karate Man for you. That's awesome, man. I'm, I'm really happy for you. Karate Man. Oh, you know what I want? I, I find myself at weird moments driving down the road thinking, I want this soundbite for the podcast. And what's funny is we totally underutilize our soundbites. Uh, here's my favorite soundbite. Pete Mitchell is my pastor. Wise <laughs> in the use of the force. He is. I'm just what saying. Is, what is wrong with that one? That one, it doesn't sound good. No, it sounds like someone's like got a burp, but is like trying to get out of line instead. Mitchell, my pastor is. Was that better? No. Oh man. So here's a here's a one, and see if you can tell what film this is from. This is the one I found myself thinking about this morning driving down the road. You want a gummy bear? I've got one in my pocket, so it's all warm and gushy. Ding ding ding. I, I don't have a clue. Ding, ding. First Bueller's Day Off, baby. Oh. Chicka chicka. Bow, bow. Oh, yeah. Chicka chicka. Remember? Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. It's the best, man. The principal gets on the bus and sits next to that, that girl with the glasses. She asks him if he wants a gummy bear. It's classic cinema history. I, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't, uh, I mean, I saw it. I've seen it several times, but. I, I couldn't tell you much about that movie. Oh, Pete Mitchell. Come on now. How about Thursday. how about what movie is this from? Chicks will go sterile just looking at you. Mm, I was kind of hoping you'd know because I, I'm not 100%. <laughs> oh, dang. I think it's Fast oh. Times at Ridgemont High. Maybe. Let's do Let's do a Google search. Uh, but I will tell you this. I will tell you this. I quote that movie. I do not endorse that movie. I do not approve of that movie. But I saw that movie before I was a Christian. And I constantly say, hey, I totally know that dude. I quote that one all the time. Pizza dude. There's some great quotes out of that movie. Yeah. So I just Googled uh, chicks will go sterile just looking at you. And you know what the number one result is that comes up? Do I want to know? <laughs> I, I don't know what it is, but I'll read you. Time bandits? <laughs> it says, sterile rooster, backyardchickens.com. So I'm kind of afraid <laughs> to go any further on that. <laughs> Stay out of that dark place on the internet. But there's Pete. actually a website called backyardchickens.com. This, by the way, is why I don't get asked to speak at more conferences. This is why, Pete, I'm just telling you, it's, I blame Smack Talk, dang it. <laughs> this is why Daniel M. gets invited to all the conferences. I'm just saying. But Should we no. ask that Peyton Jones guy? No, no, no. I've heard Smack Talk. Don't have. But I'll tell you where I am speaking. That was a segue. 
You want to know where I'm speaking coming uh, up? Please tell us. Where are you speaking? June 9th, I am speaking at the Pacific Coast Japanese Conference. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, I Better Off Dead. Cool. Better Off Dead. That's what it was. Oh, no way. I should have known that one. Because I knew the quote. Here, here's the whole line. You make a gnarly run like that, and girls will get sterile just looking at you. So the K-10, baby. Yeah. The K-10. That's what he's talking about. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and I did find that on BackyardChickens.com. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't. But <laughs> Okay, so we should actually... Uh, get on with the meat and potatoes of the podcast. Uh, yep. Doc, kick us off. Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. So, Mr. Jones, what is today's topic? Today's topic is how should we engage lost people around us? We live in an age of Twitter and Facebook. And what I'm noticing nowadays is most people have the gift of snark, Right. If you're going to make some tweety tweet or quotable quote, a lot of times it, it's snarkiness or it's sarcasm. And, you know, it doesn't it doesn't really. Um, and I'm not just talking about social media. I'm just saying, like, we have an emerging culture of communication now that's not doing Christianity any favors, to be frank. Um, tweets aren't really long enough to get the gospel out. And unfortunately, it, it often becomes a liability. Um, they, at least that's what I'm finding. I mean, the drunk uncles are always at the party on social media saying that the earth is flat. And Pete, hey, I'm just going to stop you right there. I'm just saying you can't show me a real picture that shows a round earth in it. That's all I'm saying. Hey, even Steve-O has been up in a jet and has seen that the earth is round. If Steve-O believes it, dang it, it's good enough for me. It's done and dusted. <laughs> Steve-O is a scientist, baby, in his own way. But here's the deal. Um, we, we live in a culture that has pretty much moved on from God. And so recently I was back in Wales, and nothing kind of fires me up for the gospel than being in Wales where people just have no clue. So one of my good friends there um, is, is the head of something called the Street Pastors, and the Street Pastors was an organization that um, is kind of big in the UK because you have a lot of binge culture drinking where people are out on the streets late Friday, Saturday nights, all into the night. Like they'll build like hourly rate motels. Um, people, like Americans have no concept of this. Like they'll block off the street because there's so many drunk people walking in the street that they have to barricade the roads and stop all traffic on Friday and Saturday nights. It's a binge drinking culture. Barry Waters will tell you all about it. You can't be out on the street safely after about 10 p.m. Um, unless you want to run a really big risk of getting in a fight. Girls that have had too much to drink frequently get raped. Um, they get taken advantage of. So uh, one of the things that, that I was able to do in Swansea was I, I joined a committee of pastors where we helped bring something to the streets of Swansea. That's the last town I, I was pastoring in uh, called street pastors. And all street pastors do is, and this is, this is the segue, this isn't the topic, but all street pastors do is they're a presence there. They have a jacket. They kind of, in a weird way, they kind of have like a jacket and, a, and like a baseball hat. Kind of makes you a, a little bit like a cop or, a you know, some kind of like 
<laughs> drug enforcement. But what you're what you're there doing is you're there serving people. So you've got waters, you've got flip flops because women when they're drunk, you know, they might break a heel and they're staggering around with those broken bottles and trash all over the street. I I wish I could explain to you the mayhem. Like you can't We we interviewed Nigel in one of the very first episodes. Mm-hmm. Because I remember us right. talking to him about it. And he said That's the right. biggest people that they had an impact on were not the drunks because they were too drunk to even know that someone was helping them. But it right. was the bartenders and the bouncers mm-hmm. and uh, the wait staff that they ended up having the biggest influence on. Right. Because what, what ends up happening, like you're, you're helping girls get safely in a taxi cab. Um, you're, you're just there. And people will often turn and say, you know, why are you guys here? Well, you know, we're, we're, we love God and God loves you guys and just want to make sure you're safe tonight. And you're not supposed to full on out and out share the gospel. You know, you, you can't pitch. It's not what your presence is there for. Um, you are there to serve and they will, they will say, if you do have a gospel conversation, that's okay, but you're not there to street preach. You're not there. You are there to keep people safe. And it, it ends up kind of almost being a, um, like I said, people engage in, you can have like an hour, two hour long conversation, but you literally are there, um, to be a presence and a witness. And it's really like, I got the statistic on how much crime had gone down from my buddy, Andy can't remember what it was, but it was, it was staggering. He just shared it with me that since the year that we brought that to the city, um, that it was, you know, it was crazy. It was something like, I want to say it was like in 80 something percent, a certain crime. I can't remember what crime it was had, had gone down, might've been rape or whatever on those nights. But people don't understand, like they just don't understand. And I, I remember once posting that on Facebook and someone I know called me a liar. They're like, you're lying. There's no way. So I had to get, there's a famous photojournalist. Yeah, that, I, I mean, a, yeah, a famous series of, of that a photojournalist from Poland took of the streets of Cardiff, which is the next biggest city. And, um, there you, you have to see it to believe it. Like people covered in blood from fire. Like it's just crazy. It's like the wild west out there. So anyways, I was talking with my buddy, Andy, who heads that he was a part of our church there. Um, and as we chatted, we were just talking. I kind of had like a, a mind blowing moment where he said, you know, the average person I'm talking to, I say something about God and they go, don't need them. Don't think about them. And as we got to chatting, um, that's just kind of where the apostolic in me thrives. And as we started talking, we just started talking about how do you reach people that are so far beyond, um, you know, as a culture and our, an American culture is getting like this. What should our posture be? What should our conversation be? Where do we start with someone who says, I don't believe your Bible. I don't believe, um, in, in anything you're saying, I think this is a, a, a comfort religion, like a comfort food for your soul makes you feel better. And that's about it. Reminds you of your childhood or your home. But I don't believe any of this. Where do we start with them? And what do we do? So that, that was kind of the conversation that, that we had. And I thought, man, that would make a great topic for us to cover on this podcast. So let's do, where do you start? Well, cool. Well, let me, let me, uh, just pitch it so it's not a monologue here. Let me ask you about your situation with Wayne. 
You know, how did, how did that all come about? Well, um, <laughs> I got, I got to take advantage of a downtime in his life. <laughs> and everybody has those. Let's be fair. Yeah. He, uh, he had just pled guilty, uh, to, uh, a crime, unfortunately that he hadn't committed. But, um, for those of you that have heard the story, I won't rehash it, but in our uh, justice system, you're, you're, you're toast. I mean, if prosecutors want to get you, you're toast. And uh, <clears throat> they basically, after years of uh, having this indictment against him, bled out all of his money till he was down with the public defender. And public defenders don't give a rip about you at all. They, To them, you're a number. Move on to the next. And um, he basically was like, okay, I have to take a deal. If I don't take a deal and we go to trial... I'm going to lose and I'm going to be looking at, you know, 12 to 15 years. So he took a deal and, uh, unfortunately in taking a deal, you're now a felon. So he's not a violent offender or anything. It was all white collar stuff. And so, uh, he didn't have to report to jail for like a year or something. Um, after they, they took the, uh, the deal. And as soon as he took the deal, and pled guilty, uh, his boss fired him. Mm. And um, his boss was having a bad run at business anyway and was probably looking for an excuse to get rid of him. But he's like, well, now that you've officially taken a deal, I, I got to let you go. So that was his excuse to fire him. And you and I needed some work uh, for the Bivo Inner Circle, cha-ching, which you can find all about at BivoInnerCircle.com. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> we needed a bunch of our, our interviews that we had done transcribed and cleaned up the way that we talk is not the way that we read. So mm. we had these great transcripts, but they need to be cleaned up and put into a more conversational fashion that people can read easier. And so I went to you and I said, Hey, you know, my buddy over here needs a little bit of work. He's totally anal when it comes to grammar and spelling. He's like perfect for this, uh, but he's also not saved. Hmm. do you have a problem with him doing this? And I'll probably want you to reread it to make sure that he didn't accidentally change the meaning of anything. Cause he wouldn't have intentionally changed anything, but right. you know, there's, there were many a times when he was like, yeah, I Googled this word and there really is a word like this. I've never heard it before. Right? <laughs> Cause we have our own vocabulary in uh Christianese, if you will. Right. And so imagine this, an unsaved guy, his first task is he has to read interviews with like Alan Hirsch, Brian Sanders, Dave Ferguson, like <clears throat> Hugh Halter, Hugh Halter of all the people you could have someone forced to read, <laughs> not saved. <laughs> like it was perfect. Right. And, um, so, I mean, that's what, what that, that's kind of what started. I mean, he's always known I was Christian and whatnot. Um, and then so it grew from there, and I said, hey, look, man, I I need another assistant, um, you know, and I, I'll tell you right off the bat, I'm a jerk to work for. So right. I don't I don't know that it's going to work, and the friendship's more important than the working relationship. And at first, it was very much there was a lot of pride on his side. He was like, look, you know, I don't want someone just giving me a handout of a job, but at the same time, he needed the work. Right. So uh, he ended up taking it, and um, that was in May of last year, and he reported to uh, jail up in Oregon uh, September of last year. So 
whatever that is, three, four months. Um, he worked for me basically full time, about 30 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And, um, I would say the bulk of our days during that time were conversations about God in one mm-hmm. fashion or another. It was not actually getting work done. In fact, it was a horrible employee employer relationship because like nothing got done, but I didn't care either. I mean, I would have hired him full time if it meant we just got to have gospel conversations. Um, and, but it like all this stuff sparked questions, mm. you know, in, in his mind. Like, I still remember one of the first conversations we had when I go, well, Jesus is God. And he goes, well, Jesus is the son of God. And I'm like, oh, okay. I got to explain this one. Great. Mm. Of all things I got to explain, thanks for the Trinity, God. You know, I can barely <laughs> understand that one myself. Um, so, I mean, it, it turns out he, he had, uh, somewhat of a Christian upbringing in that his parents believed in God, but I don't believe that they lived out the life because apparently he and his brother got beat all the time. Oh gosh. Um, you know, but he definitely like you and I talked, uh, he definitely had problems with, um, young earth. Uh, you know, he's, he's very, he's a very intelligent person. So he's read a lot of the studies on evolution, on the age of the universe and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And just goes, these Christians are crazy. I mean, they're totally denying all of this evidence that's out there. And um, so, I mean, we had to have conversations about all that stuff. Yeah, I think that's good. I think that's good. I mean, in one sense, I mean, you know, what what the world has kind of done, and if you go back and you, you you study the history of evolution, there was a motive. I'm not saying the theory of evolution was a crime, but what I'm saying is it pre-existed Charles Darwin. So Charles Darwin's grandfather was in something called the Lunar Society. That basically they tried to imagine how the world came about. Did they think God. the moon was hollow? And that was a spaceship? It was a space station? Yes. That's why the very first piece of film ever ever made was about that. Um, It's an old French film. You've seen it with the rocket sticking on the moon's eye. I like it. Um, Yeah, yeah. I totally made that up, by the way. The the (laughs) film was the first film ever made. uh, And by the way, um, guy who, uh, Lord Talbot was the first guy, Port Talbot, Wales, to photograph the moon. But that means nothing. But I lived on that guy's property. So I just had to throw that in. I'm there. very happy for you. While we're on tangents, I just figured I'd, I'd see your tangent and I'd raise you one. But here's the reality is that, you know, Charles Lyell was the uh, geologist who first said, hey, I believe in something called uh, uniformitarianism. In other words, uh, I believe that things are always as they've been. You just millions of years we can see sedimentation occurring. What we see as a strat in the earth is billions of years of it. And I'm not a young earther, guys. I'm I'm just not. You know, I I, I believe in an older earth. But you know, I've I've weighed. I've been a, a flag carrying member of, of both societies. And uh, well, I've, let, let I've me just throw this in there. One of the things that made our conversations go so well is I don't. I mean, for for myself, because of everything that you and I have done together. I've removed my axe. I don't need to grind it. Right. Right. And so right. I brought up, I was, you know, like I brought up Don Stoner 
I'm like, this is a hardcore Christian dude who believes in theistic evolution. And right. he's a wicked smart scientist who's right. written a book on Einstein's theory of relativity. And I'm like, but he's a hardcore Christian. Like, right. God, Jesus, the whole deal, right? I mean, he does not right. waver from that. I'm like, if a guy can be that hardcore of a Christian and a scientist and believe in a theistic evolution, then I just would bring him up. I'm like, well, this is what it, this guy believes. That's it. And he I didn't say I believe that. I just, I just was like, you know, this is the deal. You know, there are some yeah. people who believe this. It's not a salvation issue. And, you know. What and, it immediately does is it takes the fangs out because it's, it's the fallacy of the false middle. There's, there's this, this idea that it has to be this or that. And so you either believe in God and accept, you know, the earth is 6,000 years old, according to Archbishop Usher, or you accept that the earth is billions of years old. You can come at it and say, guys, it doesn't matter. I mean, yeah. I'm sure theory today is not, but you can come at it. You can just completely take the teeth out of that argument. And that's what I was kind of getting at is there is a motive. I mean, going back to the history of evolution, whether it's true or whether billions of years old, if evolution were true, God made it. I mean, that's just what a person of faith is, is always going to say. And that's, to me, I'm not threatened by science. If, if I, I never believe that they have it right anyways, but if it were, I'm kind of like, yeah, whatever. I do believe the word and I do believe the Bible. However, the Bible is written in poetic form in those first two chapters. The order in which those days are created has to be the order. You couldn't take any of those days out of order. Now you got all these different theories, but my point is you can play with all of that. But as soon as you do exactly what you said, Pete, and that is you strip them of that argument. And the reason I'm saying that's important is because really the motive behind all of that, including a couple things like um, Stephen Hawking getting ready to read his book, a brief history of time. Um, he tried to come up with a theory and apparently he succeeded. I don't, I haven't read the book, so I don't know quite what it is, but the the apparent idea that the universe could have made itself. That's what his um, his theory was that made him kind of famous. So there's, again, we don't need God. Then you have um, Richard Dawkins who comes along. He is a brilliant scientist, but he's a terrible theologian. Um, so many of his arguments are straw men. And, what he, and he's not a philosopher either. He kind of needs to stick to his own his own deal because all right. he does is bash Christianity and say Christianity's a wor you know has made the earth a worse place and science and the absence of God makes it better. Of course, not counting the fact that you know under communism and Nietzsche and all these other ideologies, we've seen more murders under the name of atheism in the 20th century than anything with all the other centuries combined that Christianity was ever responsible for just this last hundred years alone. So the facts aren't on the side of people, but again, chaos theory is what Richard Dawkins came up with, which is the idea that, um, things could randomly mutate and eventually, um, lead to, uh, an improvement in biology rather than um, mutations which are damaging to the species. So here at each point, you see these guys that come up with these theories and it's something that's applauded. Nah, yay. And why, why is this such, because it says we don't need God. And Dawkins was the guy who is extremely 
honest about it. On the SS Beagle, Charles Darwin, he was, he, he was a guy who had failed in his attempt to get into the ministry. He had an axe to grind. Um, he wrote in his journals, which were never meant to be public, that he felt that he had struck a dagger straight into the heart of God with, with when he published his book. Um, Charles Lau wrote some things that were, were very antagonistic towards God. These were not guys that were just, you know, they, they, they were objective and, oh man, I'm, I, I feel kind of like when, uh, uh, the guy who wrote, uh, uh, <clears throat> oh, Melville, when he wrote, um, Moby Dick, he, he said, I've written an evil book. It actually turned out to be a rad book. It's not evil at all, but he thought it was kind of blasphemous. These guys weren't horrified. They were glad. They felt we did it. We championed something. So all I'm saying in this is that this is the same thing that happens every time you get in a conversation. It's a bulletproof vest against the gospel. Now, what you've got to do is you've got to, like Pete was saying, reach up behind their argument and just unfasten the bulletproof vest. So it falls down and say, hey, I've, and, and here's why. Because we talked about this on one of our Band of Brothers calls, Pete, that one of the geniuses of sharing the gospel is that you don't have to answer and wrangle all these little questions. We're trying to get to the big question, right? Big question is who you are before God. And, you know, where where are you at with the claims of Jesus? Where are you at with the gospel itself? And so to try to get around you know, having to listen to the gospel, it's, it's a, it's a conversation killer. It would be like when the sales guy, you know, I'm walking through the mall and he says, Hey, you want to buy some perfume for your lady? And I go, I hate women. You know, that, that's a way to shut that down, right? That's what they're doing, right? They're immediately, they don't want the sales pitch. They don't want to, they, they no. don't want to be vulnerable. You, you don't so want they me, shut it down. You, you don't want me taking that out as a soundbite, right? <laughs> yeah, that would be bad. That would be very bad. Be very bad for me. I'm married to a woman and I'm raising two women. Yeah. So that would be bad. Yeah, no, but so I, I, I'm even with the you. The dog would be mad at me. The dog's a girl. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, and that's, that's how our, our conversations went. But I, I was just in the unique position. Like I grew up a young earther. I grew up, I, I don't personally believe in evolution. I think evolution's got too many holes. It doesn't make, even theistic evolution doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, nor me. I'm not an evolution. But that doesn't, I mean, I I still look at it and go, look, I don't know how God did what he did, but I know that God did it. And I'm cool with that. And like even, um, uh, well, I mean, Part of the young earth, older thing, you and I have talked about this and we've talked about it on the podcast and on the uh, band of brothers. Um, in my study of quantum physics, basically what you learn there is that it's entirely possible to have an earth created in seven days about 6,000 years ago and it to be over 13 billion years old. Like in quantum physics, both of those theories are entirely possible at the exact same time. And I know that makes no sense to say as a statement until you study quantum physics and you're like, oh, man, it's actually entirely possible. So that's one of the reasons mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with young earthers or old earthers, because in quantum physics, they're not actually 
theories that are opposed to each other. In quantum physics, both of those can happen simultaneously. It's totally mind-boggling and it makes no sense. I'm just saying it's possible. So I don't – that's why for me, I just – I don't have these, these, uh, like I said before, these acts that I got to grind and I got to be on the winning side of this. And I, I know a lot of people have a problem with this, but even in my recent studies of uh, a worldwide flood, when you actually read the biblical account, a worldwide flood does not fit what the Bible actually says. A, a, mm. a worldwide, as far as where all the people were flood actually does fit what the Bible right. specifically says. And so right. I think there are issues at times with the interpretation, interpretation. Yeah, yeah, of the original text, not what was originally intended. But now we've, we've developed these, these whole theories that, and, and you're not an evangelical if you don't believe in a rapture. And if you don't believe in, and it's like, well, wait a second here. Wait, wait, are we adding to the gospel now? Now we have to believe in these things in order to come to salvation? Because I don't remember reading that. Oh, funny, though, because uh, Don Stoner years ago, it was so funny the way I met him. <laughs> I remember was, this. Um, yeah. He, he goes, what do you think of that Don Stoner guy? And I had, I, had, I had read one of his books. I said, I think he's heretical. And the guy goes, and you should tell this guy. He pulls pulls his wallet out, pulls his driver's license out, and hands it to me. I didn't know I was talking to Don Stoner. That was quite a lesson for me to learn. But you know, it was great because he ended up in Refuge Long Beach. We became good friends after that, yeah. and uh, I respect the crap out of that guy. So you know, it's funny. We brought him to um, one of our outreaches at one in the uh, gay coffee house where we did the open mic night. And we were doing, remember when everybody was talking about the Mayan calendar? Oh, yeah. We did an event on that. And it was rad, man. And we had killer artwork for that. That was a great night. But we had Don there as like the secret weapon, dude. Like we just, that dude knew so much about that stuff. And nobody was going to like read the article in People and saying it like it was amazing. Like you get Don Stoner in a room and he can he is an apologist to the core yeah. and he can, he can, and, and here's the thing again, going back to it, I think we need to, to stick to the main issues. Um, kind of like Jesus with the woman at the well, she keeps throwing out all these side issues like, um, Hey, um, you Jews say that we Samaritans, uh, should worship in Jerusalem, but we worship on this hill. And he just goes, he gets back to it. He says, Hey, look, father's seeking those that will worship him in spirit and truth. Like he just sidesteps that whole, where is the right? Cause you know, yeah. the Jews believed one, you could only worship God in Jerusalem where the temple was. And so he, but Jesus sidesteps it, you know, like at each turn, he just keeps to the main issue and will not allow her to sidestep. And so when I was talking with my buddy recently, we were, um, we were chatting and, and he was saying, well, like, what do you do? Like, what do you say? And I, this is the golden rule for me with evangelism. If if you get one thing out of this conversation that you can take with you for the rest of your life is always find the common ground. Yeah. So this is what I learned to do as a missionary. When I first went to Wales, um, Matrix was huge. I would talk to people about that movie, just geek. I was working in a factory. I would geek out. I'd talk to people on the streets. I'd do pub and nightclub outreach. That was crazy. And I would talk to people 
And I would just ask them, what do you think of The Matrix? And they'd be like, oh, it's a brilliant film, mate. Oh, blah, blah, blah. you American? Yeah. Blah, blah. Oh, man, that movie, blah, blah. And we just talk, talk, talk. And I'd say, how do you know that you're not caught up in something like that? And we would start talking about God. And it's one of those, you know, people love to talk about that stuff. Um, not God, but they love to, you know, kind of geek out about things that are interesting. So I would always find the common ground. Well, in answer to my buddy, who's a street pastor, he goes, I just sometimes he goes, I just don't know what to say when someone says something like that. And I would say, well, you know, for me, I would start with something like, um, you know, uh, well, God, God's you probably. When they say, Oh, I don't, I don't see God. That, that was what kicked off. He goes, I don't see him. He's not here. Man, I don't need him. You know, and, and I, and, and what sparked me in that was, well, actually, you do see him. Have you ever realized you've been looking at something and you don't realize that you've been looking at, you know, you just thought you weren't seeing something, but you're seeing something the whole time. And so my buddy and I started talking. I said, you know, the Bible says every time you look at creation, you're seeing God every time somebody does something nice for somebody that kind of blows you away. You're seeing a piece of God there. Man was made in God's image. Like this is what's called natural theology, which is what the Puritans, um, they were pretty big on it, actually, um, where you would talk about where you find God in nature, in natural revelation, things you can see without needing the Holy Spirit. Now, you're not going to be awoken to these things without the Holy Spirit. But that's where you come in, right? The Holy Spirit's with you. So what you're able to do is you're able to share from natural revelation, which would be things like, mate, how did you feel when, you can tell I'm in British mode right now, but what did you feel when your baby was born? Didn't you, didn't you feel something incredible? Oh man, yeah, you know, you talk to anybody about when their baby was born. And you tell him that's God. We even went so far as to talk, you know, he, my buddy, he's a, he's a funny dude. He loves his sex. He goes, what about sex? I'm like, dude, totally, totally. Like think about orgasm. It didn't have to be like that, but everything that you taste, every good and perfect gift is from above. Everything that we enjoy is from above. And I tell you who is big on this was C.S. Lewis. Lewis was huge on this. Lewis had this thing where he would, he would basically, if you ever get a chance, guys, and you haven't, read Mere Christianity. Um, he, Lewis argues a lot in reverse. He's talking to a totally secularized society, and he starts with what they know. He starts with the common ground, and he works backwards, reasoning with them, right, um, into a Christian worldview, because that was Lewis's deal. He realized at a certain point that if his Christian or if his worldview was so right, why was it not working for anyone he knew? And why were the Christians he knew seeming to be more joyous, more content people? Now, he lived in a, a, in Britain. He didn't live in America right now where we're, we're so jacked up and confused where I don't think Americans even know what Christianity is. Britain hasn't really suffered with that problem quite like we have. When Britain went in the decline, they went liberal. It, it went out like a kind of like a puff of smoke. But there you had the evangelicals that held true. And they weren't the they weren't the evangelicals like what we have. When we say evangelicals here, we often mean fundamentalists, the ones that get really bad press. Usually we're saying fundamentalists and America doesn't know how to distinguish between the two. 
an evangelical is just someone who says, I just believe in the message of the Bible, you know? So here's the deal. Um, when, when you, if you can talk to people and point out areas where they've already seen God and they just haven't realized it, that is a very, very powerful argument that you can start from. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Because I mean, one of the, one of my arguments that I kept coming back to with Wayne in our conversations is I can believe these other things because the story of Jesus makes sense and is solid to me. Um, yeah. You know, everything from the death to the resurrection, the evidence for that, um, the evidence in the disciples' lives of, you know, here, yeah, we think we're, we got the Messiah. We got the Messiah. Oh, the Messiah's dead. Dude, we're out to all of a sudden, right. wait a second. No, there he is. And now they're like on fire. Like it doesn't, mm. like it doesn't make any sense unless they actually saw Jesus after he had died. Like it, right. none of it makes any sense unless they saw him after he had died. And so I kept coming back to him. I, I, you know, and we kept going over those arguments and, you know, looking at Paul as a great example, perhaps one of the best examples, this dude was out killing the Christians. Right. And then he has the Damascus road experience. And all of a sudden he's like the number one dude out there, like spreading the gospel, like no one's business. I'm like, think about that. That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. Like you right. wouldn't give up a life of privilege to be that guy, to be beaten, stoned, you know, everything that happened to him. I'm like, it doesn't make any sense. And because I can believe in that, I can believe in the story that God put on flesh, came down to earth, walked the earth, mm. died, and was risen again. Because I can believe in that, I don't have a problem with the stories in the Old Testament. Preach it, brother. Preach it. I'm just saying. I'm like, and that—that's what we keep coming back to. I go, I, I go. You know, the whole thing with Noah and the Ark. Yeah, okay. I've seen the evidence where maybe it wasn't a complete worldwide flood. Maybe that that one word we did not quite interpret correctly. But whether it was or it wasn't, kind of doesn't matter because I can believe this over right. here. So what's the point of that? You know, what was right. the point that God was telling in that story? Right. And well, that, and that would be a great topic is to get on to, um, at some point in a podcast is biblical interpretation where sometimes we hold on to our interpretation of the Bible as if it is the truth of the word of God itself. And I know that when we get to heaven, God's going to be like, Hey, you guys were kind of embarrassing when you said, you know, like that's not what I was saying. And I, that's where I think good biblical in good biblical scholarship. I'm not talking about the stuff that's like, Oh, we can't believe any of this stuff. Like evangelical scholarship has, has really come a long way. Um, when, when I got my MA, there were some intelligent dudes and that's one of the things I love to bring out when I'm talking to people is how many super intelligent people believe. Like you mentioned scientists years ago, national geographic, it must've been 2005 ran a series of articles and, and it caused an uproar because I was subscribing to national geographic back then. And it, in the following months, people were still ranting about it, how wrong it was that they did this series of articles. And I still have it somewhere, a series of articles on scientists who believed in God. 
And they weren't wackos. They just were people that were very renowned scientists who believed in God. And they were living people, um, you know, at the height of their field. And, oh, man, it, it, it got people so mad. Mm. And, um, and, and this is where I would point, I often point out to people and they're, oh, you know, you idiots and blah, blah. I'm like, look, you, you want to tell me J.R.R. Tolkien was an idiot? You want to, oh, my daughter, <laughs> this is go to work with daddy day. And, uh, my daughter's in the room. So, hey, quiet or I'll spank you. No, just joking. That's, that's a joke. I don't hit my kids ever. We don't spank in the Jones house. That's just a bad joke. So here, here's the deal. That can be um, bad on so many levels. I know. Right. So, so here's the deal is you've got, um, basically like CS Lewis Tolkien, these are very intelligent people who believe, who literally believe in the Bible and believe in the gospel. And so it's not a question of intelligence and you can go throughout history and find people that they had options to believe other things and just didn't, but they were evidence, uh, evidentialists. They believed in evidence. You know, faith is that confidence of things not seen. You know, you, you never, there's one thing you never want to do. You never want to reduce the faith to something I can convince you of by, by evidence. It's God never made it that way. Otherwise we would pick the golden, you know, the gold link in the chain and say, here's the one piece of evidence that will turn everyone into a Christian. He didn't give us that. He did make it faith and he made it faith for a reason because it involves him. It involves surrender. It involves having your eyes open um, divinely. It it all goes back to him. Mm. And so, um, you know, we need to always keep that in mind that, you know, you can sow, you can you can reap, you can harvest. But God alone gives that increase. And that's probably a good place for us to stop today. Mic drop. Boom. And since we already did SimplifyChurch.com, there's no reason to repeat SimplifyChurch.com. Just head over to SimplifyChurch.com with the information we gave you earlier. Just covering my butt there. I love it. All right, guys. Well, hey, thanks for being with us today. This has been Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones reminding you, if you want to go, if you, hey, if you want to do something, I don't know, if you want to reach ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. This is Pete Mitchell. This is Nigel calling for Pete Mitchell. Pete, it's Nigel. Please call me back. It's important that I speak with you, Pete. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Mm-hmm.